Hey, thanks for tuning in to another normal episode of the Business of Fun podcast. How have you enjoyed the many episodes that I have been putting out there? Um, if you have enjoyed them, which my guest today, Greg Turner, said he did enjoy them, uh, let me know. Send me an email. It is my name. It is Dave at DaveWakeman.com. And, you know, tell me what you uh, liked, what you didn't like. Uh, if there's any episode or any idea you might like me to cover, um, you want to hear more about. I'm trying to play with the podcast format a little bit to give you something a little bit different or something a little more valuable. Um, my guest today is a guy by the name of Greg Turner, who I know you have heard from before. Greg is based in China. And we'll talk about Greg in a minute. But first, before I get to Greg, let me tell you to make sure you check out my friends at Booking Protect, um, refund protection, um, making sure that your customers feel safe, making sure that your customers feel comfortable buying tickets is a super important idea right now. Uh, Check them out at BookingProtect.com and get hooked up with refund protection. Now is the perfect time to talk to Kat and Simon and Kath and all of those good folks. So do that. Also, make sure you check out the We Will Recover Project. It is a partnership uh, between the the folks at ActivityStream and about 20 or 25 people from around the world. Um, I send over content. Uh, Angela and Joe from Ticketing Professionals in Australia send over some stuff. Um, Andrew and Carol from TPC in the UK send stuff over, NTIX, uh, TRG, QQ, all kinds of people. They send stuff over. It's at WeWillRecover.live. Check it out and check out ActivityStream. Okay. Um, if you are listening to this podcast right now, make sure you check out the Talking Tickets newsletter. It is my newsletter. It comes out on Fridays. You get it at TalkingTickets.substack.com. Five top stories with some analysis and action items. Um, it's totally awesome, if I do say so myself. Um, back to my guest today is Greg Turner. He is from China. And the excuse that we used was this is the Chinese New Year. So uh, I, f- I needed to say hello to my friend. But I wanted to have Greg on because China has come back online um, uh, pretty well. Uh, as Greg's going to tell us, he's going to explain what the situation looks like uh, in China, um, what some of the travel restrictions look like, or some of the uh, lockdowns and shutdowns look like. We're going to talk about whether or not now is a good time to uh, look to do business in China. Uh, if you are going to look, what it should look like, you know, some of the considerations you should make. Um, we talk about the upcoming Olympics in Japan and in China. Uh, we talk about the different social media platforms. We talk about advertising. We talk about marketing and selling and how it is different or and the same um, in the, in China versus the states. Um, as always with Greg, it was great to catch up with him. So I hope you dig this one. I think this is the third time he's been on here on the Business of Fun. All right, I think this makes Greg's third time being on the podcast. Uh, Greg Turner, man, what's up? Hey, Dave, it's good to talk to you. How you been? You know, um, the temperature has turned down a little bit in D.C. Um, it's become a little less crazy to live here the last few weeks, so I'm, I'm totally fine. I am bunkered down in my basement. Um, the only light that gets in is like about um, 
the light from my neighbor's kitchen because it's like my back, my the back door of my basement is right to his window. Um, luckily, we're friends, so <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I mean, it's uh, I think we're living in different worlds these days more than ever um, because uh, you know we had our we had our issues about this time last year, but for the past eight nine months, it's been free sailing for us. Yeah, what do you um? So let me let me get you to repeat that for people. So for the last sure. eight or nine months, uh, it's been normal, normal times almost. Normal. I would say if we're talking COVID wise, um, we haven't had any kind of real restrictions on our lives since about May. May I think is when the doors really kind of opened up across the whole country, um, and you know we've got some some simple stuff like wearing masks. Everybody's still wearing masks. Uh, a lot of temperature checks everywhere you go. And then there's um, also some, you know, there's some tracking going on, constant tracking of us with with QR codes and scanning and and confirming when we're in which buildings. But other than that, we don't have any kind of any kind of lockdown effect or any kind of issues at all. So it's um, it's a little surreal sometimes to be to be here and, and living it like we're past COVID, and then seeing you know so many friends and 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 everybody. Still dealing, still dealing with it in Canada and the U.S. and across Europe. Yeah, it's uh, it's been rough uh, around these parts. I think. Um, <laughs> I guess that's like an understatement. So, uh, but so when you say though that things are back to normal, right? Um, yeah. So that means people go to events. Absolutely. People go to the yep. movies. They go out to yep. they go out to eat in, in like inside restaurants. Inside uh, packed restaurants. <laughs> Man alive. Absolutely packed. That's crazy. It's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they started opening up the movie theaters and events in about June and Ju- no, about July and August last year. Um, and it was a gradual progression starting from maybe about 30% capacity and then moving up to 50% capacity and then 75. And now there's isn't really any limits on capacity, any formal limits. But um, what we're finding is that. Uh, there's an informal limit put on place where people, when they start seeing events is starting to get too full, they're not going to be the ones to buy the last few tickets because they just they don't want to be in such a packed building. But um, other than that, I mean, we we had a summer full of music festivals and we had a um, you know the the basketball league here and the football league are, are roaring and, and and going crazy with uh, with packed stands. No, oh, that's all. That's awesome. So, really, the only. The sort of the only limits that you're really seeing are, are imposed limits, like are self-imposed. So people have, you know, they're using their own, you know, sort of risk tolerance on whether or not they want to go into a full a full event, but it's not de- demanded. Like I could, you know, you can sell a hundred percent, no matter what. Pretty much, they're pretty much. It's it's a fluid situation. So you'll get some cities that cut it back every once in a while because they feel a risk coming, um, and especially now with Chinese New Year almost upon us. Um, it's been especially focused because there's just so much travel over that time. But uh, in general, there's not really a lot of restrictions left. So with with so much of the um, the the world shut down, right? You're able to be back to normal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what's the nature of the events you're having? Like you had the Chinese uh, Basketball Association. Is it the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association? The, CBA, the, the CSL, the China Super League, is the football. Mm-hmm. Um, those those have both been running. Um, you have a lot of marathons and, and running events and a lot of, you know, public, public health events. Yep. Um, 
there's some there's some other sports that have minor kinds of events or local op, local organizations. Um, but what's really been missing is uh, international content um, mm-hmm. because the have been closed. And uh, originally, when they closed the borders to international events, they they left a small window open for for test events for the Winter Olympics. But um, about two months ago, they canceled all of those as well because they couldn't find a good way to let you know those high risk countries bring their athletes away. They couldn't agree with high risk countries on how to get their athletes into the country for the test events. So uh, we have no international content here at all right now. It's all really focused on domestic stuff. And how, how has that been for the domestic market? Because I, I, I'm going to ask what probably is a dumb question, but that's okay because that won't be the first time today that I've done this. Um, but so, you know, what has that been like for the domestic artists and the domestic content that you're uh, achieving? Because, or, I mean, you're receiving, because if I'm not mistaken, probably some of the um, international market was, was flooding out or overshadowing some of the domestic artists and performers? Or was that well, not really the case because the market was so uh, thirsty for events that there was plenty of room for everybody? Um, I would think that I would say that the, the summer music festival really benefited from the situation. You had you had audiences across all different kinds of festivals that you'd never seen before. Um, and I, I think that the CSL and the CS and the CBA especially are, are going to be in for some pretty exciting years. Um, because again, there is no, you know, there's usually a lot of tennis. There's a, the F1, there's the NBA coming here for their, for their annual games. There's, you know, there's so much international content across the country normally, but all that's gone. So not only do you have the, um, the attention gap for the fans, but you also have all of this talent that previously was working on those international events that are bringing that, you know, that expertise that they, that they, that they developed over the years to the, to the domestic events as well. So that's going to bring domestic events, I think, to an all new level. And it's kind of a, a very special year for, for the domestic market. So what you're saying is you, to use a, I, I think this is probably a very American phrase. You've turned lemons into lemonade. <laughs> it seems like it, yeah. We'll see how they deliver, but all the all the pieces <laughs> are in place, right? Yeah, everything that's needed is there. It's it's depends on how well they can put it all together. Yeah. So now let me ask you this, because one of the ruses when we were said we we're going to do this was like, oh, this is a great time to talk because it's the Chinese New Year. Um, yeah, it's the year of the ox, correct? Yeah, we're moving into the year of the ox. So Tell me what uh, that means for me. Um. Well, when were you born? In uh, seventy four. I think I was the year of the tiger. Yeah, so that's probably year of the tiger. You're a couple years away still, but um, year of the ox. For those that are born in the year of the ox, they tend to be more um, stoic and, and hardworking, and you know all the characteristics you can imagine for a for a for an ox. Um, we're coming out of the year of the year of the rat, which sounds like it should be a, a maybe a not such a good year, but here the rat is kind of seen as like a very imaginative and, and uh, um, creative and resourceful animal. So it's not such a bad thing to be born in the year of the rat either. Um, year of the ox, parents tend not to favor having kids during the year of the ox. They want to have the more exciting animals. But um, I think that uh, <laughs> <laughs> overall they're, they're happy when the kids come. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So – and and I I bring that up because you know you you don't get out of here without a couple jokes um, at my expense. Mm-hmm. 
But you were talking about before about how, you know, there are concerns about the dealing with the virus now because of the Chinese New Year. Um, yeah. Are there going to be, you know, are the parades and the gatherings, they're going to go on like normal or are there going to be um, kind of new precautions put in place or are there any kind of like next level precautions or like anything new? And mainly just because people, you know, people who are listening to this are going to be curious about how a big event like this is being handled during the pandemic. Right. Well, I think probably the, you know, the, the, the most important thing to, to when you think about um Chinese New Year and the risk of the pandemic is to realize the norm, in a normal year you'd be looking at half a billion people or 700 million people moving at the same time um, to their hometowns or to where their family's living at the time or whatever it is. So it's a huge number of people moving across the country. Um, and the risk of that then being a super spreader event is obvious, is obvious to everybody. So I would say for the past month the government has really focused on cracking down on it especially because we did have a couple outbreaks across the country in a few different cities. So it's been, while we haven't had any kind of lockdown or anything like that, I think the last few weeks is everybody's been a lot more aware and focused on making sure that the, uh, that the rules that are in place have been enforced quite, or have, have been followed quite closely as much as we can. Um, you know, but because of the, the pre-work, now, now we're back to basically no new, no new domestically or internally transferred cases. Um, everything that's getting reported now is all again from people flying from outside of China into the country. Yeah. So that's kind of got everybody feeling a little bit better about uh, about the new year, and I think it should be a pretty good celebration. Well, I hope so, uh, but mm. and uh, but I want to ask this question because I kind of want to frame it for people who are listening. To, um, mm-hmm. Because it's going to be, I mean, there's some Chinese listeners, obviously, um, but a lot of it's uh, Europe and the U.S. and Australia. And Australia is different because I'm about to use their example to you, to get to your example. I was talking to my good friend Angela Higgins in Australia today earlier, and she's like going, oh, yeah, you know, like Australia will go down, like different states will go down if there's like three or four cases because mm-hmm. it's eradication is, is the goal. Um, yeah. When you talk about like there's minor outbreaks, I mean, how many cases are you talking about? Ten. I think they were. I think one city was up to about a hundred cases, but most of those are asymptomatic. Um, and you know, in China, what they wouldn't necessarily shut down a city anymore over ten cases because they have such a strong um, track and tracing and such a strong response. Um, system already in place. So, for, as an example, I can give. I've got a friend up in Shanghai. He uh, he was faced with. Shanghai had about five or six cases break out one day, and one of them was in a building within his neighborhood, an apartment building within his neighborhood. And um, in that building, they shut down the whole building for two weeks. They quarantined the whole building, this whole apartment building, maybe forty stories. Um, the whole building was shut down for two weeks, and then outside, they'd set up. Um, a basically a testing area for um, everybody that was in the building to come outside once a day, all these people in hazmat suits, standing there, taking their, testing them, and then sending them back into the building. Um, and just the control that they have over the situation and, and the, the acceptance that everybody has that this is what I need to do to, to make sure that we don't have an outbreak across the country is, is, is I think, part of the big reason why China's managed to, to keep it under control for so long. I mean, it sounds 10 cases. 
and you're able yeah. to keep things with sounds. Uh, it's incredible. And the response, 10 cases, and they'll have 200 people respond to it just like that yeah. to I mean, keep it under control. I mean, before the uh, we started recording, we were talking about, um, you know, what, like strategy requires focus. I mean, and that's seriously some yeah. focus right there. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. and, I, and I think at least to me, it's, you know, understanding that you can control these things and that like you, you can uh, get, you, you know, get some control over the situation, get back to normal is very hopeful sounding. Um, but let me ask you, let me shift it a little bit so we can um, move away from the virus to what's whatever comes next. Right. Um, yep. Which I mean, for you is already, you're telling me it's uh you're going to go on a trip, you know, you got like all kinds of great stuff going on. Um when do you think things are going to start to open up so that you can you know like people can come back to China? Um well I think the rollout of the of the vaccine is really going to be the the key to it. Um you know the Olympics in Tokyo I think are going to be a, a good challenge to see how much we can do for an international events uh, on a global scale. Um if the uh, Tokyo Olympics can get put together, I don't I don't know I call them 50-50. But then after that, the Beijing Olympics are probably the next big one that's on the calendar, um, at least in this part of the world. Um, so there's already a lot of talk on how they're going to deal with that. I think, as I mentioned, one of the categories that was really, that was originally um, kept open to do events, international events, was the test events for the Olympics. But they couldn't work out an agreement between the different countries on quarantine issues and and and, and those kinds of things. So. We're really going to have to wait and see how this vaccine rolls out and, and make sure that nobody, no countries are going to play politics with it in terms of accepting, you know, this vaccine will work. I'll accept this vaccine, but that vaccine, if you took that, you can't come in anymore either. Right. There's a lot of questions to be worked out, I think. Yeah. It's tough uh, to say when they'll open up. Okay. So I guess then, then that was, um, you know, knowing that like the Olympics and, you know, the pandemic put a little halt on a lot of people's ideas, you know, mm-hmm. um, what can people do to, if they want, if, you know, if they've been wanting to investigate China or they've been thinking about coming to China, um, if they're like me looking for an excuse to come visit China, um, yeah. you know, what could people, is there anything people can do right now? Is there anything they can look at? Um, you know, cause a lot of people kept asking me before the, in the before times, you know, like, what do you know about China or how are you approaching China or what's going on with China? And um, I said, I don't know the answer, but I do know I do have Greg Turner's phone number. Um, okay. <laughs> and so like, what what, <laughs> what would people do now? It was great. I missed <laughs> what's that? I missed those days. I couldn't keep the phone from ringing. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I was like, what? I do have Greg's phone number. He will pick up if I call, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how would you tell people to approach this now? Because I think um, what's going to happen is, or at least this is what I, I'm seeing in the research, um, is that a lot of the co- countries or a lot of countries are going to be struggling to grow or they're going to be struggling yeah. to create opportunities. And so they're going to look around the world. Yeah. Obviously, one of the huge markets is China. Um, yeah. You know, whether and you and I know both know this and we've talked about this online and offline many, many times, you know, it's um, about the nature of doing business in China. Yeah. You know, a has it changed due to the pandemic Uh, and Mm -hmm. B, what do people you know, how do people what should people be thinking about or doing or um, considering right now? 
Yeah. So, you know, I know that we, we were talking about how domestic events are really the focus, but I think that people should understand that as an opportunity. Um, internet, you know, people from around the world that are interested in the market should understand that as an opportunity because um, it's a time right now that you could really dig into creating a good China plan or a good China strategy because you can't be here and doing the event. But there's a lot of resources that are available. Um, Greg Turner is a great example of that. Who can help you to? Uh, it's just a shameless plug. That's um, Greg at GregTurner.net. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> who can help you to, to you know to figure out some of those questions you have and start putting those pieces in place? Um, it, because you know once those once those questions get answered on how vaccines are going to work out and when the borders are going to open up, the first country that's going to be back and swinging full speed is going to be China. Um, because people here have the desire and they have the interest and they want to be um, going to events. Um, you know, I think they're going to be very nervous to do international travel, so they're going to want to see international content in China. Um, and, you know, for service providers, um, the, the growth and the, the, the boom I expect in domestic events is going to be a, a great new opportunity and market for those that service those service events. Um, and, and how can you get your product or your, your service in here to, to help that, to take a piece of that boom? Um, so taking some time right now and, and considering what you think China's about and then talking to somebody who knows what, who has some experience in the market to, to help you refine what those, what those concepts are you have, um, can really help to put the first steps in place for, uh, for building something great for once this pandemic passes. Yeah. And, and one word of caution, and this is like, I'm going to use this word of caution in the form of a question, I guess, in the form of it's not going to end with a question mark, but it's a question, um, is I want to warn people, though, that just assuming that the way that, let's say in America, that the business in China operates the same way um, is not accurate. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think last time we went through the last time I was on the podcast, we went through a you know we went through this in a, a bit on the macro scale, um, with the whole idea of that in China, um, companies work for the government, whereas in the West, you know, it tends to be more that the government works for companies, and that's absolutely still the case, if not more. Um, the current leadership in China, if you follow the news and what's happened with Jack Ma and the and the Alipay and the IPO there is a perfect example of, of once you step out of line with the government, what happens next is they, they come in with a, with, a, with a pretty strong hammer and put you and beat you back into place. Um, so that, that macro level stuff hasn't changed at all. So taking the time then, once you, once you wrap your head around that and you understand, okay, well, I've got to come in looking first of all at where, um, where the government's putting their priorities and how can I align with that? And then, once you have that in your head and you have a, as, as the guiding principle that you need to, to build your China strategy, then you can start looking at some of the more, um, the finer details, like how do you put together your marketing plan? How do you, how do you reach your customers? How do you, um, how do you develop, how do you make sure your IP is all taken care of? All of these kinds of things that are, you know, for, for Western countries or for Western companies, maybe uh, you've got some ideas that you thought you read about in the news, but Probably, honestly, if you read it in the Western news, it might not give you quite the detail you really need. Now, let me ask you this, because this is, I think, of, there's two questions I know are super are, are going to be probably super important to people as they consider this. <laughs> the first one is, how is marketing and sales different than it is in the West? And for people who 
this is the first time they're hearing Greg. Greg Greg grew up in Canada, so Greg is uh, almost American in his in, in his <laughs> viewpoint of the world. Uh, don't be insulted by that. I meant that lovingly. <laughs> but oh, you, oh, but oh. I I only say that because you under, you you understand how Western you know Western yeah. businesses operate, right? And yeah. like you said, in the in America, it's government works to support the business, not vice versa. And that mm. has an impact on the way people market and sell. Um, you know, and I, and I think it's enlightening for people to understand how the marketing and sales process is slightly different in China versus the West. Right. So, um, right now what's really e-commerce in China is massive and e- and marketing, digital marketing, um, social media marketing, all that kind of stuff is really the key. Um, I think another thing that's important to keep that to understand from the very beginning is that in general people don't really trust brands, um, especially the younger generation. Um, they don't really think that brands understand them and, and support them in the way that they want. Um, they they buy brands, but they don't take they don't listen to brand messaging. Um, what's kind of emerged here, and this has kind of been done because of the way that social media is set up, is that it's more directly it's more about um, peer-to-peer marketing or peer-to-peer discussions that, that really help to, to set somebody's opinion on what they want to get. Um, and maybe I'll just take a step back with all this and just for the, you know, just I think one thing that really that I always laugh about or that I think is really doesn't do justice is when I see in the Western media when people say that WeChat is the Chinese version of Twitter or Weibo is the Chinese version of Facebook or, or those kinds of comparisons. It's it's really it doesn't it's a false equivalent. It doesn't really work out like that at all because the way that they're structured is very different. Um, I think that we can look at WeChat specifically as a bit of a case study on how marketing is is really evolving in China. And there's some stuff here that people can take either as a part of a China strategy or even maybe consider how they can use it in their, in their own domestic market strategy. Um, so WeChat doesn't first and foremost, doesn't sell users data. Um, and everything they do, they don't make any money off their users. They make all of their money off of content that they create. And then they provide to their users to make the environment more engaging. Um, so you don't have any of that big push for you to follow. They don't give you suggested accounts to follow. They don't give you a lot of advertising. They don't give you a lot of um, unwanted content in, in your feed or in your in your moments. Um, so it's in that way, it's very difficult for a brand to use WeChat to connect with consumers um, because you can't target them and, and find them and then, and then give them ads every day. Um, there are some advertising options, but they're very limited and they're, they're very, the privacy of the individual users is very well protected. Um, so what, the way it's kind of developed with WeChat is that, um, you know, WeChat groups within WeChat are all, are very popular. Um, you have, like, I think I'm probably in, you, you set up groups in WeChat just for, for whatever reason. And you've got all different kinds of groups that have been set up over the years for people to communicate with those with their friends or their families or to learn more about you know something that they're interested in or to um and it's really just a small group of up to 200 people maybe 500 people that are have a shared interest that want to talk about something um and so what's been happening is that brands now because they can't have that direct marketing as a uh as an option 
they instead have um, they've they've started using these groups uh, to kind of direct conversation where they set up a group using a KOL or some sort of uh, influencer that is involved with the kind of lifestyle that this brand wants to be part of and then uses that to kind of guide the direction guide the influence or influence those within the group to uh, to the to the products that they want to be selling um, so it's not a direct advertisement it's really quite a, a subtle and quite a, a unique way to 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 create interest in your products if that makes any sense so uh, probably to make it simple for people um, yeah it's like a um, it's influencer marketing, but done in like a probably a, a smarter way. Yeah, a and, small scale, very yeah. small scale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it takes um, it takes a lot more advantage, or it weaponizes, and I mean that in a good way. Um, word of mouth marketing. Yep. Yeah, and absolutely. And then the big one here is that so because this is a, an important point because and this is going to fill up my inbox with lots of hate mail. And that's totally cool, what I'm about to say. So I'm going to say it loudly. Um, in general, in China, people don't trust brands. No, so they don't. So they buy brands, but they don't trust them. Um, no. I'm going to tell you a secret. Anybody who tells you that they do, that people trust brands or that they that brands have purpose or that brands are doing all these things, they're lying to you. It's all BS anyway. Brands take up a small portion of people's uh, awareness and attention in most cases anyway. Um, so I don't think that's unique. Yeah. <laughs> so rain down the hate mail. It's fine. Brand purpose is BS. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's really extreme here, Dave. <laughs> like brands, don't need, brands, websites have no meaning. They, yeah. they, people don't use websites at all here. Um, email marketing doesn't exist. There is no email marketing because once you're out of the office, you close your email box down and you don't look at it again until the next day. Um, and you so don't. There's a lot more balance in in the way yeah, people you, deal with, with like work and life. Um, no, I wouldn't say that. There's a, there's Jack Ma's favorite nine to nine 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 six nine to nine six days a week um, working ethic. But uh, you know, in in general, there's people just don't want. They just don't subscribe to email. They don't subscribe to email mailing lists. Um, it's just something that's never taken hold here. Um, and so, that, again, that's why this whole private group or this, you know, this private group marketing is really taken hold because there aren't a lot of other ways for brands to, to communicate or, you know, for companies to communicate with, uh, with consumers. Um, so much television is less and less important here. It's all now about the, the doying and the, and the billy billy, which aren't the equivalent to, uh, to, um, to YouTube or anything like that, they're again their own separate their own separate ecosphere that this lives and exists in a completely different way. But um, so you know, let me the, ask you this then: in a, in a yep. way, some of the um, and I'm, I'm I try to be and this is a term that uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned here. I like to be media agnostic when I'm talking mm -hmm. about any kind of uh, of strategy, but a lot of the tools that maybe we consider old school. They take on an added benefit in China or in Asia, um, and by those things I mean like billboards and like you know like uh, direct promotions and things like where you're actually engaging people uh, in like the physical form out in the world. Those are also mm -hmm. more important. 
to to some degree. I mean, they there's billboards and there's there's neon everywhere here type of thing. If if uh, if neon was still a big thing for signage, but um, you know, it's really the really the strongest way to connect to consumers here is is through direct messaging in small groups, peer to peer type of peer to peer type of level. So that's why KOLs KOLs here drive messages across across the across the board. Um, live streaming has become a really big thing. Something like ten percent of of all e-commerce is driven through th- driven through um, a small group of of live streamers of KOL live streamers. It's, they have this huge pull on the market. Tell people what KOL means, just so they they uh, they know what it means. No problem. Key opi- key opinion leader. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it's young kids with trendy with trendy attitudes and trendy styles that that others aspire to, to follow in and and uh, and become, and they and they set the trends they set the the message so well. There's one guy his name is Austin Lee and he can sell stuff online like a madman. He he he'll put out a million dollars in a, in an hour for sales easy. I gotta meet this Austin Lee. <laughs> he's a, he's a, <laughs> He's a character. He's a makeup. He sells makeup, believe it or not. Well, isn't that one of those things that's like a, a become a trend? Is like guys wearing makeup in, in, in you know? It is actually. Yeah, it's a little bit. And I just read that the government is coming out with I'm a report to try, and, to try and to try and control, not stop, but control the trend, right? And make sure that it's uh, that it's um, you know, China's a little old school. They they still like to have their men as they still envision. Men is is strong and 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 strong manly stereotypical, ideas. yeah. Stereotypical. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so they're they're trying to control that a little bit, but not stop it. I mean, who knew? This is yeah. this is great. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, see, I le- see, I learned so much uh, when I talk to you. This is like this is so good. I, I mean. The tech platforms that we're talking about, they, they aren't really equivalent to the things in the West, which means that you have to understand how they function, right? Um, yeah. And you can't well just trust- take, can't take the content that you built for Facebook or Twitter or for any Western media, social mm-hmm. media, drop it into Chinese social media and think that it's going to work because... Because that's not the chase. Yeah. Yeah. The platforms don't match. Right. Well, also the thing is, is like it, 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 it's insulting to your audience. Yeah. Because you're just saying that, like, hey, look, what you're, you know, I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to think. You know, I'm not going to meet you where you are, and that's like a, you know, to me, that's a foundational principle of marketing. It's like, what do I think people want? I don't know, but I can go find the answer. That's like, right. you know, the the key. And I would never, to me, I would never do that because that's insulting to the audience I'm trying to reach. And I yeah. know that, like. You know, in certain cultures, if you you know if you treat them poorly to begin with, you may never get a chance to come back. Right? Yeah, I mean because it's a cultural thing. It's not a just like you made a, a bad marketing decision. It's like you you've treat you disrespected us, and it's stupid. Yeah, and you know it, it, I think that's happened to a few brands over here where they just they never quite connected on a cultural level, and they they put their five years in and then they packed up and, and went home. I'm sure, I'm sure that's easy to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me let me let me see if I can recap this thing now. All right. Sure. So China's back to normal. <laughs> yeah. So far so good. 
10 cases is a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. so what is it? 700 million people are going to be traveling for the Chinese New Year back to their villages, their towns, where their parents are. This is amazing yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, but now's a great time to have us to create a strategy to come to China because um, there's going to be a lot of need. Some of the domestic artists and the domestic opportunities are tremendous. They're great, right? Especially yeah. like the CBA, the CBL. Um, the shows and productions it's going to be amazing um yep. strangely enough i got to look up austin lee on the internet and i know that there's neon everywhere so i'm, I'm excited um yeah peer-to-peer marketing is super important for people yeah um you know so email and tv are less important um and then the big things are respect your audience um, have a plan and work the plan so know where you're compete going to compete and know how you're going to win yeah that's 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 and 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 make sure that you're aware culturally of what what to say and what to do um because you know one small word is is can have such a deep impact such a deep impact here for a foreign brand and like we said you can make one mistake and it can ruin your entire strategy for coming to china yeah 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 now because you know you need and you i'm smart enough to know that um, I need. I would need an expert. Um, you know how people find you because you're my go-to expert. Yeah. Well, you already gave me the nice plug for the email address, so that's Greg at Greg. Plug away, Greg. man. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, Greg at GregTurner.net. Um, I also put a lot of content onto LinkedIn. It's the one social media, Western social media here that's that's easily accessible. I don't have to turn on a VPN to to get onto. So there's a lot of content I put on there with my thoughts and ideas on on what's going on in China's live events and sports industry, um, either government-wise or commercially or, or anything like that. So, you know, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out to me on there as well. Uh, the LinkedIn, I think, is Greg Allen Turner. Um, but if you just search Greg Turner China, you'll, you'll find me fast. Yeah, and to totally plug you a little bit more, um, the content you do put up is great. Uh, you put things in context. Uh, you give people enough knowledge that they can take action, um, you know, or at least understand what they need to know to be able to um, figure out what they don't know. Um, you know, so if you have any interest in China at all as a market, you should talk to Greg um, or at least follow him on LinkedIn because it's, I, I've, you know, I travel a lot and I know stuff, but I learn something every time I talk to you. So, I mean, thank you for doing this again. And uh, thank you for rubbing our noses in the West and the fact that you're <laughs> going to go to Chinese New Year's parties. Jeez Louise, man. It, you know, it's, it's, it's usually right now, to be honest, at this time, I would be on the ski hills in Japan. Um, but because of the, this is going to be the first time in eight years, I haven't been able to get out, get over to, to Japan and, and get on the ski hills. Um, so I, I do, I guess I do have to sacrifice something. <laughs> it's a lot less than <laughs> we all are sacrificing something. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back again, Dave. And, uh, what did you think of my conversation with Greg Turner? Greg's back. Happy year of the ox, right? Uh, let me know. It's David, DaveWakeman.com. You can check out my website. It's DaveWakeman.com. You go to the blog there. It has been a new blog there every day of the year so far, and I'm going to try to keep it up. Maybe not all of them are long and in-depth. Uh, it's just something to keep my head on straight during the pandemic, amongst other things. Make sure you check out the Talking Tickets newsletter. That is my weekly 
um, wrap-up of things and tickets. Uh, I use it as a way to help uh, share ideas from around the world, uh, point to things that are going to be helpful to people as they recover um, and get back to business. Uh, all kinds of great stuff. You can get the newsletter. Uh, you can send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com, and just ask for it. I'll put you on the list. Or if you want to go directly to the website, it's talkingtickets.substack.com. Uh, I was early on Substack, so don't think I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, make sure you connect with me on social media. I'm at Dave Wake, David Wakeman on Twitter, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. Um, right now, refund protection, if you have not already talked to somebody about it, it's, it's super important. Um, there's no better people to, to help you understand it than Kat and Simon and Kath. Um, check them out, bookingprotect.com. We put some great content up. Uh, we, I've got some ideas for some stuff we're going to put up probably soon anyway, but check them out, reach out to Kat and Kath, um, you know, just have the conversation because, um, refund protection, the peace of mind it gives people, it's going to be really, really more important, uh, because, you know, we're likely to be dealing with ups and downs of openings and closings and lockdowns and uncertainty around the opening of events for the next, you know, at least through the rest of the year, I would assume. Uh, make sure you check out the We Will Recover project. That's at wewillrecover.live. It is a partnership. Um, the guys at, and girls at Activity Stream pulled the thing together. They've done a tremendous job of bringing ideas from around the world uh, to people so that you can have the opportunity to recover and learn from some of the best in the business um, and, and, and me. Um, you know, all kinds of great stuff. There's going to be some new webinars. I'm working with my friend Cassie down in Australia. We're going to put together a nice little webinar series uh, that's going to cover topics, um, you know, for people all over the place. But we're going to do some that are time specifically for Australia um, so that we don't, you know, that way they'll invite me back when this whole thing's over. Um, so check that out. We will recover live and check out the guys and girls at activity stream. You know, that Martin and Anar are, uh, two of my best friends. Uh, I love those guys to death ActivityStream.com. It's an awesome platform. Awesome people work on it. Um, it's great. Um, you know, as I've been saying throughout this whole time, this thing is tough. Don't feel like you need to go through this alone. If you need somebody to talk to, just send me a note. It's, uh, David, Dave uh, I'm here for you. We have a Slack community uh, with two, three hundred people from around the world in there. You know, don't feel like you need to go through this alone. It's a tough time. Um, you know, I think the mental toll on people is really um, something we should probably be paying a lot more attention to. So if you need to talk to somebody, I'm always around for you. All right. Um, and thank you for listening again because y'all still listen to me. So um, I'm glad I could, you know, spend a little time with you. And I will talk to y'all soon.